Whether you're on the go with a summer vacation or decide to spend your free time with a staycation, the No-So's got you covered. Relive your favorite era of wrestling with New Gen on a Mission, Wrestling Warzone, Extreme Three-Way Dance, or the Ruthlessly Aggressive Podcast. Keep in touch with the modern era with GC Dub, Clotheslines and Headlines, you know what that means, and Viewer's Choice. Or sit down and nerd out with No Holds Barred, WWE War, or The Wrestler That Was. It's summertime, and the living is easy. Because you've got the North South Connection. NorthSouthConnection.com. I, Vincent Kennedy McMahon, am an unqualified success. wrestling promoter throughout North America. I kicked every one of their asses. The fraud, the messing with me. What's your secret? More than any one quality that makes me the successful man that I am. Ruthless aggression. So I want to know here tonight, as you stand here on my ring, which one of you has that quality? Who among you has that one single ingredient? Who has enough? North South Connection, welcome back to the Ruthless Aggressive Podcast, episode number 74, 75, something like that. Uh, numbering might have got fucked up at some point, but it doesn't matter. Uh, we're at 03. Um, Scott Shifflett is my guest for this pay-per-view cycle. Scott, after we're two weeks in, um, would you still consider me a friend after foisting this upon you? I consider you a friend. Um I think you. I think we might be frenemies, though. After after watching this current <laughs> set, um, I'm not sure like uh, what I got myself in for, <laughs> as we talked about. It's ruthless. It's ruthless, uh, <laughs> Scott. Okay. Um, I realized during this that uh, we this is a pretty short cycle that you got, so at least it's going to be a short pain because we have this week and then there's next week's to go home, and then we're already at Judgment Day. So it's one of those quick turnarounds on these pay on this pay per view cycle. Yeah, it feels weird because now it seems like, uh, you know, with the PLEs, as I did uh, quotes for all the non-existent, you know, we're not even video recording this. Um, it seems like they got like a longer <laughs> build now with like six, five or six weeks. But this is, like you said, just a short, it's like three watches and then pay-per-view. And I think that just has to do with it's no longer the network. Mo- it wasn't the network model at the time. 
Yeah, I feel like you would get this back in the pay-per-view days. It's just like I, I, just the way they book the shows, I guess. Like especially the secondary shows, you're much more likely to get like a three or four week quick turnaround. Like but this feels like a third a pretty th- long build, third dairy show mm-hmm. or something. Right. Well, the, the issue with them too is a lot of times they don't know what the hell they're going next. So like the we the first week after the pay-per-view, you're kind of just like still in. You know, they're kind of still neutral, but you could see them this week. Like, they're scrambling. I don't want to say scrambling, but they're, like, trying to set everything up. So we'll see a lot of things come into place. Whether it's going to be the most interesting stuff or the most interesting ways is another story, um, which has kind of been the trend in this post-mania lull that we're in, unfortunately, shift. But I thank you for joining me, as always, so I'm not so low going through this bullshit. Yeah, we, we got to run this together, Jake, and it. You know, it's it's sad that the most over person on these watches is um, well, the two most over people. I'm gonna do one from Raw and one from SmackDown. Uh, Raw's obviously Austin, like as the most over person, and on SmackDown it's uh, Mr. America, which it, I don't know what it says about 2003 <laughs> uh, WWE, but it, it, that's not good. Right. But look, Scott, if nothing else, if it is not good, it is at least interesting, hopefully. So we'll got that thing. We'll, we're going through this analytically, right? So yes, very seriously. So we'll, we'll take it from that standpoint. But uh, yeah, that's the best. That's the best sell I got for you right now. As uh, and it's you know, I'm not totally shocked. It, it's 03 has never been known as like a great year, but you know, it's part of the timeline and it's part of uh, it's still interesting to see like. If it was bad, how how was it bad? But uh, we will see because I, I do think we'll get to it. I think Raw is a bit better. I mean, it's a low bar. I think this Raw is a bit better than the ones we've been watching. But uh, we'll we'll get to it. But I have uh, I have uh, one quick news. That, no, go ahead. What you got? Um. So before when I had been on the show, it was like Raw was like you know like four or five, and SmackDown was bringing it up. But now, like, SmackDown's, like, sinking to, like, where Raw is. And that's not mm-hmm. what – that's not good. Correct. In certain ways, as we'll discuss, as it's just natural to compare the two shows, I think SmackDown is almost weaker than Raw in some ways now, which is weird to think about because they were rolling for so long. But, yeah, definitely post-Mania, they've – I feel like the wheels have come off a little bit. They seem to be in a – I don't even know what you would call it. Like, it's just – I don't know if it's just Kurt not being there, but Kurt's only one guy, you know, it's not, I mean, he's a huge force, but I mean, like the way they were going in the SmackDown six stuff, you could have probably taken Kurt away and, you know, it would have been a huge loss, but I feel like they could have chugged along, but it feels a bit, I feel like the brand split is finally catching up to him a bit as far as like splitting the talent in two shows and trying to find ways to, to fill these two shows and like, they don't. They haven't really created anybody that new lately, so they're struggling with that. People are getting hurt, so there's that going on. So I feel like it's starting to catch up on both shows. Just them not always having the star power to carry this. Where in a lot of O2, even if they weren't working with the best material, they were just so loaded on both sides that it was like it's almost impossible to have anything that bad when you have that much talent. Yeah, it really is, and. You can see they're trying to build new characters. Like you, you see Christian getting a little push right now, and you know, you know they're starting to do something with uh, John Cena. I don't think it's going to work, obviously, with John Cena. We'll, we'll probably never hear from him ever again. So they're right. trying, but it may be like too, like it's it's one of those things. Like it's going to be a rough couple of months, 
But then the payoff would be so much great because, I mean, you know, I, jo- I jokingly said about you'll never hear about John Cena again. People put him as like one of the best WWE stars ever because uh, for how long he ruled, you know, WWE over over a decade. So mm-hmm. it, you know, that's obviously something that I did. But, you know, you got to before that ball gets, you know, you got to crawl before you run type deal. And we're in the crawling stages right now. Correct. Yeah, they're fully transitioning. Now, like, O2 was, they were getting towards a transition, and now I feel like we're getting into more, I guess you could call it, like, the growing pains of this, the ruthless aggression era. God, I wish that was easier to say, since the podcast is <laughs> built around it, but I could never pronounce it right. Anyway, all right, we have one unfortunate uh, news note on this, and we'll see it uh, at the beginning in the memorial. They do the, the quick uh, screen they show for, but... Uh, the famous Miss Elizabeth passed away at the age of 42. She died at Kittestone Hospital, Marietta, Georgia, after emergency personnel responded to a 911 call at about 5.30 a.m., saying she wasn't breathing. Uh, the medical examiner also will not list the cause of death, but it is um, you know, presumed to be an overdose, uh, which has claimed so many other wrestlers of her generation, although medical examiner Hal Bennett said is not necessarily the case. Of course, it would be. And so this is, uh, I won't get into all the details of this because this is one that I think most wrestling fans are familiar with. Of course, she was with uh, Lex Luger, a.k.a. his shoot name is, I don't know if I, do you know Lex Luger's shoot name? Uh, Larry Fole. Yes, Larry Fole with the P in front, with the silent P. Um, So she was with Lex. They both not in the best place in life, I think, uh, deal with a lot of drugs and whatever. But anyway, she was with him. He was charged with a bunch of apparently 13 felonies on drug charges. Um, And he also had a misdemeanor battery charge on a domestic dispute with her on the 19th of April and then a DUI on April 21st. So um, leading up to this, they obviously had some issues, both, again, not in a very good place, but very tragic death. I, I don't think I realized she was that young. 42 was like, geez, I mean, like the majority of our little inner circle here is, you know, that age or around that age, maybe older. So it's, yeah, it's just one of these tragedies. You, uh, I mean, obviously, I'm 34. Uh, and I remember. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's it's a little it's a little heartbreaking. Um, they it, and it was so many like you said like wrestlers died around this area this era of like the you know the ODs and everything and it's it's just sad. But you can see uh, I almost said Larry instead of Lex Jake. But um, if you watch the WWE documentary, they actually talk about this time and Lex said. How- he was going through bad they were obviously going through a bad phase and you know they were just getting loaded on these prescription drugs and drinking and she just od'd and it, it was just a sad time right cut it in both of them were kind of out of the spotlight by now and yeah it, it seems like they were not probably good for each other either so yeah, just a sad situation. Just one of these kind of dark side of the ring sort of stories that, you know, everyone's very familiar with, but we've reached that point. So I wonder if I should start, I mean, it's a little depressing to do, but I could almost start like a running list of all the famous sort of 80 stars that have passed just since I started doing the podcast in this era. Like obviously you had Perfect, you have Miss Elizabeth now. It's, and unfortunately, uh, it's, things are not going to get much better. It's going to get worse before it gets better. Like, Correct. Like, sadly, right. like, I think, mm-hmm. like, Test and Umaga are, you know, if, if you consider that in the ruthlessly aggressive, aggressive era, mm-hmm. but, like, you know, I think they were one of the last ones. Like, thank like thank goodness, like, you know, we haven't really seen that a lot recently. Um, 
I know I'll be corrected if I'm wrong, but those are like the last ones I remember. Like, you know, we can even throw Rick Rude into that. You know, he died in 1999, but, mm-hmm. you know, was, and, and we'll, we'll sadly see it with, with Eddie and then um, the Benoit tragedy. And it's just, I, I know for a lot of people, they stopped watching wrestling after that happened. Um, mm-hmm. e- either, either one. So, right. Very sad, going way too soon, very young. So, And we open the show with that. They show a quick still of her. They don't do a, a big package on it, I guess, but they just do a quick you know, still of her with RIP. But um, that's how we start Raw. So we are uh, in Halifax, Nova Scotia. This is the May 5th, 2003 Raw. And both shows actually will be in Halifax. I think even in the same building, if I'm not mistaken. So a rarity on these where they run Raw and SmackDown in the same, I'm pretty sure the same building, definitely in the same town. Uh, yeah, I think it's the same building. Um, hopefully, uh, Bubbles, Ricky, and Julian were able to get in and watch watch uh, wrestling yeah. this weekend. I thought about the same. I didn't know if I didn't I didn't note it because I didn't want it to fall flat. She completely didn't understand that reference. But yes, Trailer Park Boys Country here. Maybe they're in the crowd. Yeah, Sunny Vale. I've actually seen them live. I've seen them live. Believe it or not, they had I'm like so a live jealous. show. I went to it. It was pretty fun. Uh, they were uh, supposed to be here, but they got they canceled because Randy was sick. So. It was so upsetting. Um, we start the show with a recap of Austin becoming GM, which we talked about in the last episode, and he actually opens the show here. He comes out with a briefcase. Um, he thanks Linda and says that he will celebrate with a beer bash tonight. He thinks it's bullshit that the Intercontinental title was abolished, so he wants to bring it back. So at Judgment Day, he's going to make a battle royal, and the winner will be the new Intercontinental champion. That gets a big pop from the crowd. Eric, of course, uh, comes out to interrupt. He gets a big asshole chant for the crowd. He says that Austin can't just come in and make decisions about his input because they are partners. Austin says, you think you know how to run this show, but you have 10,000 people calling you an asshole. Sounds a good line. <laughs> Eric agrees to, uh, he does agree to break back the title, though, because he says he wants this to be a good working relationship. He then also announces that uh, Nash versus Triple H is officially set for the pay-per-view at Judgment Day. Austin agrees with this. And then Austin goes to his next piece of business is that he's rehired JR. Um, <laughs> Eric tries to refire him. They go back and forth, hiring and firing JR until finally, uh, it's a funny moment as Austin just grabs Eric's mic and covers it like with his hand where he can't talk into it. Um, but so to settle this, they set up a match for JR's job. At first, Austin wants to face um, Eric for it, and, but that, um, Eric doesn't agree, so he brings out Morley, and he wants Morley to wrestle as his proxy, and he says it's going to be Morley against JR, and uh, uh, Austin doesn't agree with that. That's not fair, so he asks if somebody could volunteer, and uh, Lawler, uh, Jerry the King Lawler, volunteers, and that is what we're going to get into as our first match is going to be the King and Morley uh, against each other for uh, JR getting reinstated. So before we get to the match, this whole, um, like I said before, you could see them through the GMs here with Austin and uh, and Eric in this opening segment, trying to quickly lay out some things for their pay-per-view. Uh, they set up the Intercontinental Championship coming back. They set up, not that we, I mean, we knew this is where they were going, but they set the match with Nash and Triple H. So already kind of throwing all these things out there. Um, but I thought it, it was pretty entertaining. I mean, Austin just got natural chemistry. He's over with the crowd, so it's hard for him to, and like, I think even compared to where he was when he was still in ring, he seems like a little more laid back here, like a little more comfortable kind of just having fun in this role. And to kind of tell, like I felt in his later, you know, before he had his big hiatus, I felt he's still a little bit tense. 
Um, and he just feels like he's a little bit more laid back here, which comes off really well. Um, what'd you think of them bringing back the intercontinental championship? Uh, they shouldn't have got rid of it. So I'm glad they brought it back. Um, it, you need something to do with, with the, you know, quote unquote mid card talent, upper mid card. And so, cause you know, no one's going to go after the world title, the tag titles, you know, we have a, the tag team division is actually low key ramping up. I feel we'll have to see if that continues. It might be something to track, Jake, because um, we actually got a couple of different tag teams that that we see tonight. But I'm glad the IC title is back. Uh, Austin did have a line when um, after Eric said that the um, he made the Triple H and Kevin Nash match. Austin goes, "I like you, not very much, but I like you." <laughs> um, and you know. We figured we'd be bringing back Jr. I we'll talk about what happens next, but Austin's the only one that controlled the what chant. It's probably because he mm-hmm. created it, but like he just had the crowd in the palm of their hand. Like everyone else, like other wrestlers have tried it. I think the only one that came close was Kevin Owens in the build to his WrestleMania match with Austin. But um, it, it, like I said, he's the most over person on Raw, sadly, and he's not even wrestler. Right, so you definitely, yeah, I thought that was effective, even for being kind of, a, as we get to it, between the match and everything, it's going to be a pretty long opening, this whole angle, but it's effective, and it's really on Austin, because he is so over, the crowd's into it, he brings a certain energy, um, and it's a good foil to Eric, because Eric's kind of been, you know, abusing his power lately, so that that works, we'll see if it becomes, if we, we're over it by a certain point but right now i think it was effective like it's definitely a bit of a shot in the arm especially after rock leaving so austin's kind of taking the reins um with that just being a guy that the crowd is super into um and yeah the intercontinental championship it's we'll see what happens you know it it all depends on what they do with it or because if they just don't do anything really productive with it or it doesn't really matter then it'd probably be better off being just retired but we'll see how it plays but overall i thought this was pretty effective this whole opening segment between those two um. Yeah, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll get to the match. So we have Lawler versus Morley. This is going to be for Jr.'s uh, job. Nice little opening shine for the King here. He's laying in his famous uh, famous punches. They <laughs> kind of exchange backdrops with each other. Nice near fall on the power driver by uh by King. Uh, looked pretty good. King was fired up for this one. I thought he brought a little bit. Of, he brought some heat to this. But uh, Morley takes over. He hits the middle rope elbow. But he goes up top to go for the money shot, and Jr. pushes him off. So uh, big pop from the crowd for that. And then King is able to take it with the classic middle rope fist drop. And so he beats Morley. Jr.'s reinstated. Thought the match was short, sweet. The crowd was into it. Didn't overstay its welcome. Um, with Austin involved in all this, the crowd wants to see Jr. come back. We see Eric getting pissed at Morley, so could this be the end of the uh, the Morley Bischoff administration? Uh, and then, of course, poor coach gets uh, stunned off the team by a stone cold. So not a very uh, <laughs> that's what coach gets for stepping in for the past month. But um, I gave the match uh, two stars just for the match. But I thought this whole thing was pretty effective. Again, my the, my favorite thing is they didn't go out there and like King and Morley have like a twenty minute match. They went in. Um, we're feeding off the crowd, got in, got out, did what they needed to, got the pop in, and got out of there. Um, yeah, one thing I noticed that Morley was ripped. You can tell they did not have a steroid testing um, <laughs> program in place at the time. I was like, like he took off his shirt. I was like, Jesus Christ. I don't even think he was that ripped when he was Val Venus in the Attitude Era. Um, it, it was a fun match. Like, you know, King got had to get his stuff in. Um, I was shocked that Morley got as much uh, – spots as he did um 
Yeah, I wouldn't star in three quarters. Uh, one thing I noticed, Jake, was like Coach really wasn't acting heelish um, no. at all during this. Like he was happy to have Jr. back. He's like, it would be nice to work with him and everything. Then when they brought him down, um, and you know, Austin says we have three announcers and need two, and he stunned Coach. I wonder if this is the start of like Coach's heel turn, or if that comes later. But if it is the start, like it's well deserved. Like right, he like did nothing villain, wrong. Like what they call it, those memes, like his villain origin story or something. Yeah, yeah, his villain or- and it's justified. Like, <laughs> right? They just it, kick him in the ass. Yeah, and like Lawler like laughs at him, and it's like he did nothing wrong. Like he was put in the spot by his boss, and like he wasn't even acting heelish from commentary at all. Like how he how he will be later on. So it, it's I'm interested to see with our next watch if like if he shows up or or if it's after you know. That your next uh, frenemy shows up and, you know, if he's acting heelish or not. Right. Yeah. So poor coach gets the boot unceremoniously. So, so we get Jr. back uh, after this, we get Eric firing Morley backstage. So again, kind of seems like uh, the, there's going to be some friction between those two, but then Austin says, Eric can't just fire people and says, you have to talk to me. And then Austin just fires him anyway. So a nice little, yeah, that Austin, was funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, so and it also just seems like they're trying to reset a bunch of stuff. It kind of seems like the Morley stuff. I guess they don't want Morley to be like a weird third wheel in the Austin Eric stuff, maybe. So maybe he just goes a separate way at this point. But uh, yeah, it just seems like they're resetting a lot of stuff, getting JR back, bringing the Intercontinental title back, maybe splitting Morley and, and Bischoff off. Kind of, I don't know, trying to see if they can, I guess, inject some life in the Raw here. I mean, it definitely feels more alive, alive with, with even Austin being there. So that is a positive. So, yeah. So kind of resetting all these things. and um, But, yeah, as far as raw openings that go on for like half an hour, I thought this was pretty entertaining. It went by pretty quickly. Yeah, it, it really was. And Morley getting fired was uh, – I thought it was happening later on. But I wonder if we're going to see him as Morley again or Val Venus. But the, like you said, the first 20 minutes, it, it flew by, and they had like – quote-unquote, three um, segments. Three, like, it mm-hmm. was, like, continuous. Right. And mostly all in the back of Austin. Like, he injected... I think if you do all of this with King fighting for JR's job and you don't have Austin there to get the crowd, the crowd eat into it, I think it would be much flatter. It would not come off as good. But because you have Austin there on King and JR's side, it kind of gets the crowd juiced up and gives that, gives that. But I think that maybe it would have. So... I would say he's, but the Austin so far, him being GM is, I mean, it's, you know, it's a good thing. Now we'll see what we can get with the, uh, the rest of the show. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. And we'll talk about more because, uh, Austin definitely pushes the story right. in a lot of ways. All right. So we get a recap of Goldberg killing some scrubs from last week. And then we go to Stacy who tells Tess and big Papa pump as they're having like a very, uh, they have a pose down, I guess. They're like using their resistance belts or whatever it's called, those bands. And they're just like flexing in front of each other. And she tells them to chill out because they're about to have a match. Uh, any any thoughts on this pose down before we head to the match, Scott? Uh, yeah, I love that Scott's posing first and then Tess goes and steps right in front of him. And then Stacy walks in and, oh, oh my God. Like, that's one thing I forgot. Like, I knew Stacy was beautiful. Like, you see her now. She's beautiful. She's like... Uh, on a whole nother level back then. Um, when we talk about the match, Lawler has a hell of a line. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, somehow Stacy got them a tag team title match and they have never even tagged together, Jake. <laughs> I think they've had... No, they had one yeah. tag match uh, last week. 
Right. Right. Well, she's a good manager. Okay. She, yeah. she, she, she gets things done, but, uh, yeah, more, uh, also more proof that, as you mentioned, there must not be testing for steroids here because they are fucking yoked out of our minds. Yeah. Like it's, it's insane. All right. But we, uh, we go straight to the match. So it's going to be testing Steiner versus our champions, Kane and RVD, uh, uh, faves of mine. So we start with RVD and big Papa pump, which I thought was a pretty fun, like novel matchup. Uh, I loved RVD kicking him in the drop foot, going after <laughs> kicking him in the legs. It's a nice uh, dive. JR uh, says that these are two very popular teams, and I was kind of like, eh, maybe one popular team. One's been a team for like a week, so let's, let's pump the brakes there on your turn. I know you're jazzed about being back, JR, but let's, let's settle down there, Hoss, because uh, I don't know if these are two popular teams. Uh, one popular team and Scott Steiner, who they don't really care about, and Test, who no one's cared about since 1998. <laughs> Steiner goes back at him with a belly to belly. Tess comes in to lay in some of his uh, patented corner elbows, uh, but RVD hits a desperation drop kick, which allows a hot tag to Kane. Kane comes in and hits a sick clothesline on Tess, like just levels him. Steiner cuts Kane off, though. I, I thought the pace is pretty good, given that RVD is probably the only guy in this match that you would think, you know, could works like a fast pace. I thought all the big guys seem pretty motivated. Uh, Kane, uh, but Kane gets. Uh, Double team by both of them can't uh, can't hold them both off. He gets a full Nelson slam from uh, Tess, but Tess accidentally hits big Papa Pump, which costed the match. As in RVD, RVD and Kane being the um, well-oiled team that they are, hit the five star and the choke slam at the first opening, uh, taking advantage of that mistake and then take home the match. So, yeah, I didn't think that. Like I said, not a bad little match. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised at the energy that the uh the challengers brought here and uh no surprise that they went with the miscommunication finish as it seems like that's where they're going with these two that they just can't get along or coexist and it also gets like a pretty solid win for rvd and kane because um mostly they've been messing around with you know been involved with the morally shit and all so it's good to just see them get a nice uh title win just title defense uh even though i don't know if they said this was for the title or not i can't remember but uh i went two and a half on it scott i thought it was a good little match yeah, I went um, a quarter above. I went two and three quarters. I, I I was I was pleasantly shocked how much I enjoyed this match. Uh, Lawler said that his favorite tag team was Stacy Keebler's legs. I was like, not wrong, Lawler, not wrong. Um, I will say, uh, like when RVD and Scott started off, I was like, I don't like this is pretty cool. Like he said, because it, mm-hmm. we had never seen it before. Um, it, it was all RVD until Scott caught RVD and slammed him on his head. That Jr. was like. I don't really know how he's up and moving after landing on his head like that. I'm like, me neither. Like, holy crap. <laughs> um, but I just like, like Steiner, like they really played to Steiner's strengths here. And it may be good because he was sort of breaking down here to have him hidden in a tag team where he's mm-hmm. not out like wrestling for like 20, 25 minutes. Like he did with Triple H. You can, you know, first off, don't have a 20, 25 minute match with him. And second off, just hide him in a tag team. And um, I forgot how much I enjoyed the choke slam into the five star frog splash spot, but mm-hmm. After seeing it two weeks in a row, I'm like, oh, I'm really enjoying this. And they really did need a uh, a good win because, you know, on our last episode, we talked how the only reason they won is because Triple H took both of them out. And then Kevin Nash showed up and they had the Michael Myers stalking the uh, sorority girl scene with Triple H and Kevin Nash. And that's how they were able to beat Rick Flair. <laughs> right. Um, but, yeah, overall, I thought pretty effective because you get. You know, you push all in the Tess and Steiner stuff. Kane and RVD get a good win, get to see them, and the match wasn't too bad. So, but totally agree on Steiner. Like, he could come in, hit his few moves, not get blown up, you know, not 
you know, not screw something up or like look out of his element. He just comes in, hits a few big power moves, hits at the test. He could do the same. And especially when they're with, with some guys who can go. So I very much agree that this, um, I get why they went the way that they did, whatever he first debuted. Cause he was so over, but I think he, he settled into a much better role given his, you know, where he's at in his career. So, yep. I, I definitely agree. All right, we go back to uh, Steve Austin. He's getting pallets of beer delivered, which this whole thing killed me because why would he get all this beer delivered when, like, it's not like they're going to be in Halifax for the next six months. Like, they go a different place every week, so why would he need all this beer? For t- I guess the idea is it's for the bash thing tonight where we'll see he's going to have a lot of people, but it makes it seem at this point like that it's just for him, you know? So much Molson, Jake. So much Molson. Like, I love that, um, too. I love that they... That was a good little touch having the Canadian beer. Yes, um, I do love how he said he needs a desk, and he just moved the couch over and told Bischoff to hold it. To hold yeah. the the couch up. It was great. Um, but anyway, so Eric is outraged because he's pissed that that Austin's taking up all this room with all the beer. Um, Austin wants a desk, so um, sorry. Eric says he, uh, he how is he gonna have room for a desk? So Austin flips over the couch. Eric's little casting couch he's got in there. Uh, <laughs> flips that over so he can make uh, room for his desk. So just, uh, you know, just continuing to push the, you know, the odd couple dynamic between these two. But the the pallets of beer was pretty funny. But, and I, you know, it was entertaining enough. Again, it's, I, I wonder if the novelty was eventually going to wear off with this. But, right, I mean, Austin, he's just a very, I mean, Eric is too. I mean, when he's not being, you know, that odd. To- yeah, that odd turn they did with him. But as a heel kind of douchebag, he's really good. So it's a good dynamic. I mean, they're both really good at this sort of material. So. They they really are. And uh, Austin also told Bischoff he wasn't invited to the beer bash. <laughs> That's great. All right. All right, we head back to the ring. Now we have the highlight reel, which they actually spelled it. So when, they, when he first debuted it, they did like highlight, like H-I-dash-reel. And now they've just gone with the full word highlight. So yes, I was wondering. I, I did notice that as well, Jake, and I, I had that in my notes to bring up. So I'm glad that you uh, you you noticed it as well. Right. And so this is a fun uh, dynamic to have here too, because since they're in Canada, Jericho is like this huge face, and he kind of plays off of that. So he goes back at Piper as they've been having these like you know dueling barbs that Jericho's been winning, and I think he continues to hear as he tells Piper to go on the Atkins diet. Which I, I believe by this point, like Atkins Diet was kind of a meme. You know, I feel like Atkins Diet was getting to its peak, like in the mid 2000s, was like when it was like this huge thing. It's like the keto of the mid 2000s. That the Atkins Diet is when you eat like burgers with no bread, right? Right. It's kind of like, I would call it like diet keto. Like, I don't think it's as extreme as keto, but it's like the same concept where you just eat a bunch of protein. And then I feel like it, like now we have keto, which is just like Atkins on, on steroids. The, the Scott Steiner steroids. <laughs> right. Um, but anyway, Jericho says he's going to win the Intercontinental title battle royal. He says the Triple H pinned Kevin Nash fairly and squarely at the pay-per-view. And so um, we will see. Uh, so we see the chase from last week, um, everything that went down between those two last week. And then Jericho reveals that his guest on the highlight reel is going to be none other than Kevin Nash. Um, who slowly walks down his arms. His He is jacked. Um, he was definitely working his uh, triceps and shit because his arms are like very vascular, Chef. Yeah, and um, do you feel 
I feel that Nashville's out of place. He does a little bit. I think it's because he has no, you know, like it's weird to see him as just Kevin Nash. I think is still like an odd thing because like, I, like not NWO Kevin Nash, I should say. I mean, obviously he was Kevin Nash from WCW. I don't mean it that way, but like he's not NWO. He's not Diesel. He's just like Kevin Nash, non-NWO Kevin Nash. And so I feel like he doesn't quite have like a gimmick, I guess. Yeah. It's like it, he's himself. I don't know. Yeah. But it's not like the cool hip Kevin Nash we would right. actually see in TNA. It's just mm-hmm. like mean and menacing Kevin Nash, which is sounds like a weird thing to say. But like TNA booked Kevin Nash better than Raw did in, in the mid 2000s. Right, so like what you talk, so he comes in here and he starts yelling. I'm with you on this. This is always it's off putting to me. I feel like here it wasn't as bad as when he first came out during this whole feud and started screaming. I felt it was a little more controlled, but to me it's always weird when he's like doing the angry guy thing because it just seems so not him. Um, or or even if you would be like kind of talking soft and then like escalate to yelling, but when he just yells everything, it seems so because like. He, he was the one like when they did the NWO stuff that would always say like Hogan needed to tone it down because Hogan was being like two eighties. Like he always seemed like he's against this whole, like screaming everything you say thing. Like he kind of worked to for wrestling to move past those type of promos. So it is weird when you see him doing that here. I can jokes on him. He's just like, he's like triple H trying to end my career, but I'm still standing. And it's like, and triple H, you're a dead man. It's like, really? Like, really dude? Like, mm-hmm. Make fun Very of his 80s. nose or something, like, or something, or like call him like great value, like Harley Race, or use your imagination. But it's just yeah, he's not like smart ass Nash here. It's like angry yelling guy, which is weird. It's not. Yeah, I think I've said it before. It's not what I want to see from Kevin Nash. I want like smart ass cool guy, like you said. Um, but to stir the pot, Jericho brings out Triple H, um, who Triple H stays on the top of the ramp while Nash is pissed off and starts wrecking the set. Jericho, though, uh, gets a cheap shot behind on Nash, and then Triple H comes and takes over, uh, starts laying into Nash with a chair shot. Um, let me get my breath ready because this is going to go on for a very, very this long a lot. time. Uh, he hits a pedigree on the chair, but then, uh, oh, he goes for the pedigree on the chair, but Nash backdrops out. They continue to brawl outside very, very slowly. Um, I was wondering where <laughs> Flair was. I don't know if maybe they, I think they mentioned that, wasn't they, he, like in Australia? They said that Flair. They said Flair was in Australia doing promotional work, which probably means banging some Aussies. Good day, man. <laughs> right. So I guess that's why he can't save him. So uh, they battle into the steps. Triple H fights back, but Nash wears him out with the steps. Triple H uh, has a huge gusher going. He's bleeding all over. The rest come out, and Nash starts knocking them out. You think maybe it's going to end here, but it doesn't. They keep on going all the way backstage. Uh, actually, they're up on the ramp. Triple H uses a pipe, hits him with some of the stage lighting. Uh, then they go backstage. They actually go into the street where there's pedestrians. And so the way this ends is that Triple H goes straight Grand Theft Auto and like carjacks someone and like tails off in their Chevy Trailblaze. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. He, um, so he, he takes their car and carjacks someone and speeds away. And that's how this brawl ends. So um, an absurd way to end this, um, uh, especially when you're in, especially. Um, you know, when you're out of the country, I mean, this is in Canada also, Chef. So, I mean, you're looking at major issues here. He's, he's going to get his uh, visa revoked, passport, something. Yeah, I don't he, know. 
They're going to deport him and never allow him to come back. Um, I I will say the blood did add to this brawl, but like you said, Mm -hmm. it was extremely slow. I know Nash can't do anything, and it scares me so much for Judgment Day, Jake. I remembered what's coming up next with their feud, the the match they have next. I forgot there was a match beforehand. I'm really scared for it. Also, where the hell is Shawn Michaels at? Like, right. It was it because they're in Canada. They didn't want to show him on the, <laughs> having right. They want show to get booed. No, they they could be hit. They just might not want him to get booed. Yeah, but like it, I did laugh with Triple H just stealing the car and taking off. That feels like Attitude Era WWF, where he just like assaults this fan and then you know like 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 we say Grand Theft Auto. Um, but I mean, it was what they needed because they haven't really had much heat for this match. I, I couldn't really care less about before, so I care a little GTA, bit now. But. GTA Triple H. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, exactly what it is. Yeah, like, I like the idea of what they were going for. They were going for, like, this old-fashioned, like, almost, you know, which I guess is Triple H's deal. It's his inspiration sometimes. But like, an old, like, NWA brawl, but it just went way too long. It was way too slow. It didn't have the didn't have the intensity that it needed to be able to... Like, I felt like they were going for, like, um like the fight scene from they live like that sort of intensity, but it didn't come off that way. It came off as like, they're going for this long, hot drawn out brawl. These two guys killing each other. It just felt very meandering. Like I appreciate what they were going for, but it it just didn't come off the way they were hoping for. Um, And also I think an issue with this is that you kind of spoil the match a little bit because by having them go like, I mean, this legit was like 10 minutes long of them brawling. Like, I feel like you're almost giving away what the match is going to be like. Like, you kind of just alluded to it. Like, like I feel like if they have a match, this is what it's going to be like. So instead of just having them maybe lay into each other for a minute or two, we just saw them go at it for 10 minutes. So I feel like I've seen half the match. You're probably going to give me a judgment day already. And also, if they just have a straight-up match, like, we just saw them battle around the arena. Like, so are, mm-hmm. what the hell is just, like, them being like, oh, you'll get disqualified, or like, oh, you'll count it out. It's like, why not just make it like a false count anywhere match, which it may happen next week. We'll find out next episode on Dragon Ball Z. So, um, <laughs> it, it just, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a CF. Yeah. It, again, I appreciate the idea and I liked what they were going for, but it did not come off like that at all. It was poorly, I don't even know if it was poorly executed. It just didn't. I don't know. Like you said, I just don't know if the crowd cares enough or or if there's enough there to get invested in this sort of thing. Again, I felt like they were going for this old school, you know, NWA, like, you know, like them brawl in the studio or something or some Memphis shit or something like that. But it didn't come off that way. Just felt very, very, very slow. Definitely not AWA 88. <laughs> no. Um, but anyway, after this, Jericho is pleased with his handiwork that he caused all this chaos. And uh, Austin comes up to him and says, uh, oh, you happy with what you did here, huh? So, uh, you know what? You think, uh, you know, I think you're a, a title contender. You know, I think you're a main event player. So next week, I'm going to give you Kevin Nash. And so sets up a Jericho-Nash match for next week. And Jericho looks a little bit frightened by this. So that's how we kind of cap this off. And then we head to the ring. Uh no, anything? Would you anything on this Austin Jericho deal? Like I said, Austin's pushing the story all around. We'll see it later tonight, and um, you know Jericho and Nash should be interesting. But um, 
I just want Nash gone, sadly, which is something I never thought I'd like. Go, go in TNA, young man. Go, go in TNA and be with Paparazzi <laughs> Productions. Like, go on. Yeah. Make your graphs. Yes. All right. All right. Hot match coming up, uh, Schiff. It's going to be Booker T versus Lance Storm. Uh, poor Lance Storm. Not doing a whole lot since his uh, The Un Americans deal uh, dis- disbanded. Um, he goes right to the sharpshooter, though, for a quick Canadian pop. And again, he's kind of like the face in this one. Uh, Booker fires back with a, a sidekick. Storm uh, stops him from doing the spin Rudy with a super kick, but Booker T comes right back with an axe kick to get a quick win. So this one all of like three minutes, um, I guess, just to get Booker T on the show. I don't know. It's kind of a nothing match. I would think, I don't know. I feel like these two could have a good match if you give them a little bit more time, but it just, I mean, it was literally like two minutes, so I want to star on it. Yeah, I, I want to star as well. It, it was nothing. I was shocked that, you know, they gave Lance so much offense, but I guess you kind of need it because there was a loud Let's Go Storm chant after he mm-hmm. um, got in the sharpshooter, which, you know, I never thought I'd hear the day when they were screaming, Let's Go Lance Storm. Um, but yeah, this was just like, <laughs> hey, Booker T's still here, guys. Like, uh, we pissed away all his good, uh, all the good good faith we had in him at Mania, but he's still here, guys. Don't don't you worry. Right, and here's Lance Storm, Canada. We know you want to see all the Canadians, so we're going to throw out every Canadian we can find <laughs> so you get a pop. Yep. No, that, that's pretty much it. Not much more to say about this one. It was a classic three-minute nothing wrong match. They're so good right. days in, in this era. Uh, all right, so we go to La Resistance, who will cost Stacey. Uh... They tell her that her team has dropped the ball. There's some egotistical maniacs, and they laugh at their testicle joke. Uh, and then they offer her a chance to manage them. She seems a little bit disgusted by them, but uh, maybe like she's going to contemplate it. So just classic, like, you know, heels trying to steal the manager sort of thing. And also gets a lot of resistance as they're getting more integrated into the show um, as they're about to have a match. Uh, anything before we get into the match, Scott? Yeah, it looks like a plot to a porno. Uh <laughs> Two Frenchmen. Yeah, two French, like, oh, you want to come manage me or, or have sexual relations? Um, they look like Pepe <laughs> French <Pew>. Borat. <laughs> <laughs> we know it's in Chef's uh, search history. French, French Borat. <laughs> French Borat. All right. They are going to be taking on, how about this for a team? They're going to be taking on La Resistance versus Tommy Dreamer and Spike Dudley, ECW. <laughs> all-stars here uh so i dig their french tights so I, this is their first official match here we've seen them appear they came out with their jeans on but now we get to see the actual entering gear great physiques they're juiced um again uh dig the french tights the tights are good they have the french colors kind of black long tights um uh but they get going obviously you're guessing this is going to be a enhancement match for them as they're just they've been kind of pushed uh with all the vignettes and stuff and i don't see dreamer and spike taking home a big win here um of course spike takes a ridiculous spill to the outside gets thrown like a sack of that shit was and spills nasty. all over the ground always that's all spike does and god bless him for it uh i, th- I thought i was just honestly pretty solid in this they didn't look super impressive uh uh, Dreamer actually nails a, um, I don't know, what do you call it when it's like one guy doing a move to two guys at the same time? Uh, maybe that's going back to. I just said a sweet DDT neckbreaker combo. 
Right. He hits a, he hits a, a one on two here as he hits a neck breaker and a DDT on both of La Resistance. But the French come back. They hit a nice uh, double spine buster to pin Spike. And a uh, fine enough debut. Again, they didn't like, they didn't look like, wow, like, like put it this way. They didn't have the debut like Team Angle. Like when Team Angle debuted, they looked like, like, damn, these guys are good right from the start. I don't think it was that good, but they also didn't come out and, like, botch everything and look super shitty. So it was, like, a totally adequate debut. And I think Spike is a good choice here, as he's always going to give you one bump to make them look good. Um, so I ended up going to Star on it because it was a glorified squash. Steiner comes out immediately and goes after them, and Tess comes for backup. So maybe setting them up for their first uh, match here. But a totally fine, if, uh, you know, unspectacular debut for La Resistance. Uh, so I guess like, I don't know. I was kind of feeling this. I want to start in a half, Jake. Um, mm. this is what I was talking about with them building up the tag team. We've seen four different tag teams tonight and three of them were new. Um, because like we've kind of seen Regal and Lance Storm break up because Regal got sick. Um, you know, Booker T and Goldust obviously have broken up as well. So we see La Resistance, like uh, the spike and Tommy Dreamer is a nice little ECW nostalgia, um, pop, um, in, we have Test and Scott Steiner. That's a tag team feud. I, I'm kind of shocked without, without like the tag champs feuding with someone. That was that was used to be like the women's feud where it was just over the title. So like they were doing that with the tag team. So it was nice to see that. Um, that was a sick bump that you were talking about when Spike was thrown outside. Uh, Spike also hit the coup de gras um, on one of the lava yeah. stance people, um, and the super flapjack that was hit on spike for the end was pretty sick. I know there's um, Jake. I really hope it. I'm on this episode where they kill spike by missing him on the table uh, when they throw him outside the ring. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Um, that's obviously not. I I, on, yeah. yeah. But uh, I can't wait to see that um, when you get, <laughs> when you get to that, hope I'm on it, but yeah. Um, and it looks like Tess starting to buddy up to Scott Steiner, which is kind of shocking. You make a good point, though. Um, slowly but surely, the um, the tag ranks are being shored up a little bit. I mean, they have nowhere to go but up because they literally didn't have a division. And it was just the, you know, kind of the stale Dudley boys in the Morley stuff against RVD and Kane. But it looks like we're at least bringing in, I mean, who cares? Make Dreamer and Spike. Just make them a regular tag team to just put guys over, whatever. Just something. I mean, you got all this time on Raw. Like, but it's true. It's, uh, it's kind of almost like a... Uh, subconscious here as it's just kind of slowly creeping back in, but uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed. So we get a, hopefully it does. Division we'll back. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. We go to Eric who's uh, complaining to Vince on the phone about his struggles with his new partner. Uh, and then we had the Christian who says that Goldberg's losing streak begins tonight. He is the new people's champion. And uh, you know, just a, just him kind of putting over that he's going to be facing Goldberg. And they're hyping this up as Goldberg's first Raw match. So that's their sell on this. But uh, keep, um, keep this in mind, viewer. They're hyping up his first Raw match. Right. And I'm just mentioning it now. But since the top of the show, they have been hyping up, you know, Goldberg's first appearance. or Not first appearance, but first Raw match. Um, I was I was at least happy that uh, Christian didn't have the horrible singling on tonight. So that's a good movement for him. He has the nasty, greasy hair that he hasn't showered in like three weeks, okay. though. One step at a time, um, Scott. One, one step. I, I know. Can't, can't have it all. Can't have it all, okay? <laughs> uh, Bischoff also said that next week he's going to raise the bar when he was talking to Linda and that he really dug a mature woman. So I hope uh, Lash uh, was not listening to that phone call. 
<laughs> true. That's true. He was talking to one night at events. He is talking to Sam McMahon. Who cares? They're all all right. All right. We now will head to the uh, the Eric Bischoff apology match as he gave Trish a title shot after, you know, uh, you know, threatening to do the things that he said he was going to do before Stone Cold and mm. Linda came up to uh, save everything. So she's going to be facing Jazz for the title here. Um, she comes out with the full Teddy stable. And again, I, I'm telling you, like, they, they're pretty legit. You got Rodney Mack, you got Teddy, you got Jazz. They look like, a, you know, it's a pretty legit little little crew they have here. Uh, but Jazz hooks and starts clubbing. Trish goes for a quick roll-up, but that only gets a near fall. Solid back and forth between these two. Um, I think Trish always makes a good, um, you know, she's a good underdog baby face fighting from underneath. She has pretty good fire. Teddy goes for the, uh, <laughs> Teddy here goes for the shoe. And he just trips on the apron. I mean, it was intentional, but just the way yes. he falls. And then it's even funnier because he has that, like, I feel like he has, like, a zoot suit on. His suit looks like it's from, like, the Roaring Twenties. It's got, like, the suit that goes down to his <laughs> knees. Like, his coat goes down to his knees. So he's got this, like, ridiculous outfit on. And he trips on the apron and, like, just stumbles off. And then my favorite, too, is he, like, immediately recovers. Like, he just no-sells it. It's ridiculous. Um, I'm kind of into Teddy right now. He's very entertaining. Um, but Jazz, hits uh, I remember not off. liking him at the time. Mm-hmm. I remember not liking him at the time, but he, he, like you said, he is very entertaining with his little one-liners. Like you take what you can get here on Raw, and Teddy's been entertaining. Yes. tripping as he goes to throw the shoe. Uh, anyway, Jazz gets a power bomb for a near fall that I've been on. It does a nice near fall. Stratisfaction here, but we get a run in from Victoria to distract that allows Jazz to get sneak at a belt shot and pin Trish, and that's it. Um, you know, I thought it was good at the beginning, but it kind of just, they just went for the run and finish at the end. I thought it was kind of uh, not surprising, of course, at, at the, in this era, but that they would just throw this back out there. And like, is, you know, like, is Trish going to get another shot? Is that it? Like, the match was kind of whatever for given the, the feud between these two. And like, it's kind of hard to justify Trish getting another shot, even though she got screwed over. I mean, she keeps getting shots and not really capitalizing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just, and it's just weird to me that they would put, you know, in the death slot for three minutes, like a feud that's been going on. I don't know. Like, why not just stick this on judgment day? What the fuck else are they doing judgment day? So I, I want to start and a half on the match, just kind of strange, but expected booking of this. Yeah. I want to start and a half as well. Star for the match and half for uh, Teddy Trippin. Um, <laughs> It it just seems like they want Trish to be the face of the women's division, but the women's division is like bare bones um, at this time, sadly, as we see in 2023, where it's like, you know, if on par with the main event, um, the raw main event. But like Jazz, I feel like especially watching this, like she is so um, forgotten in the annals of WWE history mm-hmm. because like she looked the part of a badass here mm-hmm. and it, it, it's been fun to watch like she's so ferocious when she's like beating trish's ass and it, it's great and trish is a good uh, baby face um as well during this time yeah it's just a bummer they could easily just do something to build this feud and, and give them a match on pay-per-view but instead they just kind of trot it out here so it sucks because they're they're way above this what they're being given so yes bummer all right but we'll we'll continue on all right are you ready shift for goldberg's first match on raw ever oh 
I was I was born ready for for Goldberg's first match on Raw versus Christian. All right, so we get the full we get the like diet Goldberg entrance. It's not full Goldberg because he's like he walks from the back, but it's only for like ten seconds. Like he didn't get the full security like WCW style. So we get like the uh, the great value Goldberg entrance here. Um, he's got the Oreo trunks on with the black and white. Uh, but before he, we even get the match started, three-minute warning are here, uh, and they have something to say. They want to come after him before the match, after what he did to them last week. Um, I love that Rico sounds like such a fucking fool because he says um, – he pretty much tells them, like, we're going to come at you one by one. Like, it seems like it's not going to work. He beat all your asses at once last week, and now you're pretty much announcing, like, first I'm going to come in, and then Rosie will, and then after that, Jamal, like, why would you go one-on-one? Why wouldn't you use the numbers? He's just going to beat you up one by one. Um, but the thing is, and they don't really do that. Like, one of them comes in, and they all just jump him. So why did he even say that? I don't know. But So Goldberg's kind of wrecking them until the numbers catch up to him. He finally is able to run through them. He jackhammers Rico, but Christian sneaks behind him, hits him in the uh, – Hits him with a chair and then bails. Uh, we get the glass break uh, and then Austin comes out, which you can't deny the novelty of this either at this point. To see Stone Cold and uh, and Goldberg in the ring together is pretty cool. Um, Vince McMahon should be seeing all the money he passed up yeah. when he sees the two in the ring. No, go ahead. Yeah, Jake, like him, um, them looking at each other, like if I like I'm sure if I saw this episode of Raw as like a 13 year old, 14 year old, I would have been like, oh, my God, they're going to do Goldberg and Austin, because it definitely seems like they they the way they're staring at each other. They could set this up and it, and it mm-hmm. could happen. So I was just like, oh, this like it probably wouldn't have been the best match, but, if, you know, it would have been interesting. Right. If my stack of dimes could take it, Scott, I'd do it. But. Uh, obviously his neck was fucked, but yeah, so you do get the novelty of the two. And I think maybe that eases the blow. If you're a viewer, like maybe the, that, you know, the, the novelty of that moment, maybe helps you get past that. They hyped this match all night and then they have the match because the match probably wouldn't have been much anyway. Um, but Austin's ready for his beer. Goldberg has a problem. Austin says he understands the problem. So next week he's going to make it a cage match between Goldberg and Christian which um, it's weird because you think if they delayed it or like this, you have one more week that you're probably going to push it to the pay-per-view, but we'll see what happens next week. Goldberg is pleased with that, um, with that setup. They celebrate with a beer. They share the, you know, having the beer bash, a bunch of randos come out from the back to join the beer bash, like just a bunch of random people. And they just do like, it's like they pull people around. off the street. Right. And it's a pretty fun visual. You got Austin doing the beer angel and, you know, spraying the beer. Well, and they kind of closed the show with that after like, you know, a few minutes of Austin dicking around like he usually does with this. And it, it I mean, it's entertaining and it's fun because it's Austin Goldberg seeing them in the same ring. So that's kind of fun, but we didn't get the match. And that's kind of how we end the show. Um, um, they probably shouldn't have hyped it up though. I get they're doing this whole cat and mouse thing and maybe it's supposed to build up to Christian getting his ass kicked most likely, but you maybe don't like hype it all up. I guess maybe, do you think it was partly like they were afraid of, cause they're kind of, they're trying to rehab him after he got the kind of mixed reaction at the pay-per-view. Did they not want him to get booed in Canada? If the crowd like was with Christian. 
You know, that's something I didn't think about, but you're you're, you're probably right, Jake. That's, that's why you host this pod, man. You're, you're, you're a genius. Uh, but no, that's probably why they did it. But then it's like, why book themselves in this corner anyway? Just say that he's going right. to face Rico. Just say he's going to face mm-hmm. three-minute warning. Because he even pins Rico and the ref counts like it's that shitty <laughs> Nash uh, right. match on Thunder where he like took out all of – um. All of the new blood and like was doing power bombs and the ref was counting like a lunatic and Nash wasn't even trying to pin. So, um, it, I mean, it was nice seeing him take down three minute warning. Um, weird that he pinned him, but also I, I think you're supposed to leave as a wrestling fan. Goldberg's not smart. So there you go. <laughs> um, I will say, uh, Jake, me and you are from the South. Uh, but when Austin said that it'll be Goldberg versus Christian, no holds barred, Goldberg says that dog will hunt. I have no yes. idea what that means. <laughs> I've heard them before, but it's not something I, I've only heard it like in media. Like it's not something anyone around me said, and it does seem like it would be southern. But I feel like I've only seen that in like movies and TV shows and stuff. But yeah, it is like, and it's weird coming from Goldberg. Like it's, a, I don't know. The more Goldberg talks, sometimes the more awkward it is. Thou dog will hunt. Simply, <laughs> what if Austin was like a simple yes would have been fine. <laughs> Right, it's like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was odd. But, or maybe just like hype up this interaction, because it's kind of like what they end up on anyway. Like, that's what they try and sell us on at the end, is like these two drinking the beer together. So, like, why not build it as like Goldberg and, and Austin, like their first meeting together? Like, Goldberg wants to discuss his future, or whatever, bullshit like that. Because it kind it's kind of where you're going anyway. And then have Christian kind of try and dick him over then, and you just get to this. I don't know. Like, there's no reason why you have to, because it's not like it's this huge draw anyway. Like Goldberg's first match against Christian, like okay, whatever. Like I don't know why even, why even bother doing like a bait and switch. Oh, that seems to be the theme, Jake, um, for for this week of, re- of wrestling. Spoiler alert, uh, guys. It it was it was frustrating. Like I know we're gonna get to it, but I'm just gonna put my what I have in the note here. I said this is one of the worst Raws I've ever seen. Nothing happens. There's only five matches. Main event hyped all night doesn't happen. And listeners, <laughs> right. uh, Jake did made this sound like a Raw that you should have watched. That's how good it he is at, at this. But <laughs> it it was just like I was like, what am I doing? Like it it was like, how do you hype something all night? Because like. They were, and then it's like, nope, just hype him against three minute warning in a three on one handicap match. So, I think the thing for me is like, I after doing whatever seventy something of these, I think all every it's all relative. Like I have a barometer now on these Raws and Smackdowns, and to me, this was like I've seen worse. And by no stretch to me, it's still below average, but I think it's getting closer to average. And I think a lot of it was because of Austin, like he he brought a lot of juice to this that a lot of these Raws are way more flat, but because he's here and he's just naturally entertaining. Now, on the other hand, you're right. They're not really building things well. Their main event feud, it, the whole, like, 10-minute brawl thing kind of was like a wet fart. And so, you know, like, and I'm with you. Like, I get it. I don't need them to have nothing but 10-minute matches or something. Like, I don't need 90% of the show to be in ring, but, like, they had five matches that averaged about two minutes a match. So... I need a little bit more than that on a wrestling show. So like I saw some signs of life here, like with the tag division stuff, Austin bringing some juice, but you can't rely on Austin forever because like we know he's not going to wrestle 
and there's only so much he can do if he's not going to wrestle and it's a wrestling show, you know, like he can only carry so much. And I know this is the first week he's really back. So they're kind of leaning on him, but it's just not, you know, you, you got to find something else and that's what they're struggling with. So I think he kind of, it's like a shot in the arm for a week, but it, they can't do this every week because it's going to get old real fast. I think. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, with, with the coming weeks. Um, but it, yeah, because Austin can't be the one that saves the show. This isn't 1998 Raw where he's just right. dominating segments. Right, and he's not going to have a match. So you can't – there's only so much you can build. And they're trying to, like you said, like trying to involve him in the stories to kind of give, you know, all these angles his rub. But, yeah, they're still kind of floundering, I think, on a lot of these. You know, we got a debut. We got La Resistance showing up, the tag division. The the main event stuff is – is is wonky but so i ended up going actually four and a half which i guess probably much higher than you but so again even though like you said i might have made it seem nice it's only because i'm used to watching a lot that are even shittier than this so four and a half for me scott out of ten yeah i went i went three and a half um as it just kind of broke my spirit if i'm being completely totally fair totally fair that 10 minute brawl of them like wandering around and then triple h and also, Jake, I know it's a joke with our friends of how I love everything. So that should speak wonders to people. Very, very damning. Very damning. All right. Let's move to SmackDown. We'll see if they can uh, improve. But uh, I may be even more negative than you on this one. All right. So we go to the May 8th, 2003 SmackDown. We are, of course, still in Halifax, like I mentioned at the top of the show. And we get a, a recap of all the Mr. America stuff. The Mr. America saga that started last week, and Vince comes to open the show to address just that. Um, he tells the Canadian crowd to stop the Hogan chants. Um, he says that Hogan's going to be here just via satellite, not in person. And he goes through how he knows the Mr. America is Hogan, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. He rambles for a while about this, and then finally brings out Stephanie. Um, Stephanie is looking fantastic on this one, uh, Schiff. I'm sure you noticed. Yes, she had the uh, she had the black. Uh, all black, kind of the black. Would that be like pleather pants? I don't know, like vinyl pants, something. Yeah, um, it was definitely. Yeah, it was something. But uh, also, Vince just being maniacal. Vince, um, when Steph walks out, she gets halfway through, and he says, "Cut her music. She doesn't deserve it." <laughs> Such a ter- uh, I know. I kind of miss some. I, I probably missed a few because, like, I'm not gonna lie. When he was going back through rehashing the whole, like, r- the rambling about Mister America, my brain kind of shut off. Like, it was like the monkey with the symbols or whatever. One because it was like, even from Vince, who's always so entertaining, I was just like, oh my god, I don't need to hear about this again. Um. Anyway, she comes in, says she did what was right for the fans. Dad, she had to counter Eric with an ironclad contract, but. All of this, like, bringing the contracts, it's so absurd, just the idea that, like, like who is this mister? Was he, like, coming through the ranks in the Indies? Like, you see an ROH right now? <laughs> like, Mr. America, he's like a, you know, he's like a top prospect that she couldn't pass up. It's so absurd. Uh, this, Vince asks her, how, how can he get out of this? She says that the only way, the only provision in the contract is that she would have to, pr- he is going to have to prove that it's Hogan to void the contract. And so, uh, so we'll, we'll stop here. We're going to continue because it's going to keep going. But at this point, I was like, this is boring as fuck. This cannot be the like prevailing storyline on SmackDown right now because this is way too boring. 
Yeah, it feels like a raw storyline. Um, and, and we had talked about that earlier with like, oh, the SmackDown Six is more wrestling oriented, and now we're getting like twenty minute promos to kick off uh, SmackDown, like it's raw and it's a little frustrating. But at least it's like you know, I'm not the biggest Triple H hater, but it's like, um, I mean, I, I enjoy him, but it's not like a boring promo. Like these Vince is actually like going back and forth with the crowd. Like, um, you know, he like here's a couple of things. Like he calls the Canadians mentally challenged. Um, you screw Brett, like asshole chant breaks out. You screw, you screw Brett chants out. And Vince said, yes, I did. And, uh, he said he will screw every fan if he could. And I put in parentheses, we have the documents to prove that he would. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then like after the Steph stuff, another asshole chant comes out. Vince goes, that's a compliment coming from Canadians. So like, (laughs) I know your brain short circuited there, but Vince actually had some very good lines. Um, like he has some very good one-liners, so yeah. I know I just have no interest in this fucking Mister America thing. Like, I feel like they again. I, here's the thing: I feel like if it was like just like a, a secondary, like a sideshow thing they're doing SmackDown, like that's fine. Like some time filler. Vince is is funny. I get this is like an old school kind of gimmick. You know, let's do it. But for it to be like opening the show, and this is gonna, we're gonna continue. This is gonna go on for like the first twenty minutes of the show. It goes like on just for, 40 for it to, min- like forty minutes total. Right, for it to dominate the show is my problem with it. If it was just like you know we got other stuff, we're throwing this in here. Vince gets to be crazy, Vince. You know, it's kind of a silly angle, but it, this is being pushed as like the top storyline on SmackDown, and that's my main issue. That's where my brain starts short circuiting that it gets this much time. So. And to be honest, Jake, I think the top three storylines on SmackDown, uh, number one is Mr. America and Vince. Number two is the Guerreros. And number three, I think, is Brock Lesnar and Big Show. Right. Yeah. All right. So we get Hogan via Right. We get Hogan via satellite in Tampa. Uh, Vince tried. Did he have a Home Depot catalog? (laughs) Like, I I could have sworn I saw like a Home Depot catalog in there. Anyway, maybe it was just a color scheme, but. Um, anyway, but Vince his book, tries was, to get... his book was behind him. That's true. The book was there. That's it. Yeah. I, I did enjoy Vince, like constantly trying to trap him and get him to admit it. He's like, so when you put the Mr. America mask on, I, like, you know, he keeps on like giving these loaded questions, like, uh, like, like trying to get him to like inadvertently admit that he's Mr. America. So that did pop me like, um, Hogan says that he hates sitting at home collecting a check, which we all know is a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> he could not want to do something more than sit at home and collect a check. Um, but he does like seeing Mr. America beat Vince's ass. And Hogan says he wants to meet this Mr. America because he seems like a stand-up guy. Uh, again, Vince keeps trying to trap him. I can't – I should have wrote down more lines, but the Vince trying to trap him was so good. And he's like, so when you were here last week, <laughs> like, you know, he keeps on <laughs> – and like Hogan just keeps dodging it, which is so good. But anyway, he wants to see Mr. America here tonight. Um, production then tells Vince backstage that Mr. America is here and he looks very skeptical. And he says, like, he kind of goes, sure. Like, so they're kind of pushing, well, how is Mr. America going to be here? Because obviously Mr. America, it's Hogan, but Hogan's in Tampa. So how's this all going to play out? But that kind of ends the segment. Again, I, I said it before, this to me could be an amusing side story. But it's like driving the show. This whole deal, just to open it, it's not the last we're going to see of it, was like 20 minutes. Just way too much time being devoted to the storyline for me, Chef. Yeah, and um, 
here's Ho- one of Hogan's lines. It's like he says he has leprosy and he's dying at home. I put in parentheses, do what? Leprosy. Yeah. Uh, and he, Hogan says he may team up with Mr. America, which I'm sure I probably did in like SmackDown vs. Raw 2006 or something, just for shits and gigs. Um, Hogan is like, Mr. America isn't me. And he says he cannot tell a lie. And I'm like, tell that to the court where he lied. Um, but like, I love like when <laughs> when the stagehand was like, Mr. America's in the building and Vince is like, sure, pal. It's just, yeah. Ugh. Right. Yeah. To it, your point, it, like the it being Vince and Vince, kind of like we said with Austin, he's like, he's entertaining. So even if you give him like, even if he's working on like crap material, he's going to give you some funny stuff. Like, again, I enjoyed him trying to trap him and get him to admit it in the interview, but it's just too much. It's too much. So. Yeah, and how much how much time is just like we have wrestlers not being shown. Like we don't need right. to see they as much as you. And we already went through like the Hogan Vince feud. Like they did this already. I don't know. Yes. All right. Well let's let's head to our first match here. It's gonna be Matt Hardy uh versus uh Eddie Guerrero. And this is gonna be non title because Matt Hardy is our cruiserweight champion. He hasn't really done a whole lot with it. Uh but he is still the champ. Uh our Matt facts is that Matt hates waking up before noon and he likes to eat slow to savor his food. So, <laughs> Matt facts, I, I love agree. that. Um, yes. All right. So uh, they, they try match holds at the beginning. Eddie kind of gets the better of that. He's kind of more the, the better pure wrestler here, but uh, Matt drops from the corner and gets a side effect. There's some weird moments in the beginning uh, where it seemed edited. Um, after we kind of had that conversation yes. when Logan was on and we talked about the editing, I thought you could definitely see a few spots. Cause like Eddie gets a pin at one point and I like, you don't even really see him do a move that would justify a pin. So I don't know what the hell happened there. Uh, Matt gets a busted lip during this though. So he's kind of bleeding from the lip. He's very aggressive. Uh, he hits another side slam on Eddie, nice vertical suplex also by Matt, but then Eddie fires up with the Rana hits the, uh, the patented Eddie rolling verticals, but he misses the frog splash. Uh, uh Matt gets an Oklahoma roll, but Eddie kicks out. Uh, Oklahoma roll always sounds like it would be sushi to me anytime I hear it, but it's neither here nor there. It's all Top fried of- sushi, though. <laughs> Look, fried sushi goes hard. Don't sleep on fried sushi either. We'll have to ask JR about some Oklahoma sushi. Uh, anyway, top rope leg drop still doesn't do it for Matt, but Eddie is able to twist into a roll up to steal the non title win here. Uh, good back and forth match. Uh, you know, you have Matt losing uh, a non-title match, but they haven't really done a whole lot in this title reign. And um, I like Eddie getting the win. I feel like Eddie's got more going on, so I guess it's whatever. But Team Angle take advantage of this and um, come and steal back the gold medals. But I went two and a half on it. It was a pretty fun little opening match, and I like to see Eddie get a win. Yeah, I went three stars on that. Um, it was... Uh... It was a fun match, and I love how they they had him just get like a flash pin instead of like hitting the frog splash because it still makes it look like you know the champion still sort of protected because Matt did attack Eddie after the match, and I even have how Team Team Angle attacks worthless ass Chavo and takes the gold. <laughs> so um, yeah, but I, 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 I like they had a lot of shine for Matt on this, and um, 
but yeah, I did notice like it seemed like an edit, which I, I noticed when he had Marcus on and he was talking about that. So um, like I've been noticing even more on SmackDown. I guess when they mess up, it's like oh, we can just fix this. Right. Yeah, it's a fun little match again. I feel like Eddie is uh, anything where we're we're getting Eddie more over is the thing. Because I get, I don't know for some reason he's he's getting back to where I'm really starting to see his star potential in these. Maybe it's because SmackDown has kind of toned down, so there's not a whole lot of greatness going on, and so he stands out even more than he used to. But, yeah, he's awesome. Hot take by me, Eddie Guerrero. Very good. Anyway. All right. FBI. When you start wrestling in Mm -hmm. five years, Mm -hmm. when you start wrestling in five years, you can say how Eddie is your uh, inspiration like everyone else. Right. Of course. He's my inspiration. I don't even wrestle. Just for everything. (laughs) All right. The FBI are talking with the big show, so I don't know what they're scheming about, Schiff. And then we see Mr. America walk by behind a, uh, uh, conveniently, the crew is carrying like a pane of glass or some bullshit. So it kind of obscures the view. <laughs> so we weird. See, yeah, we see Mr. America walk by. So he is in the building. Don't change the channel. Oh, God. I would have turned it off if I could. What do you think, do you think the FBI and big show are talking about? They probably like lined up some blow for Big Show that night. <laughs> See, I thought you were gonna go like the pasta route or something, or some kind of food, but just went for cocaine. <laughs> yeah, Gam- gambling wasn't legal then, so they're they're running numbers in the back. They were getting him the spread. This is May, you know. They gave him Orioles plus two, something like that. <laughs> All right, we go right to our next match. It's gonna be now. He's going by Brian Brian Spanky Kendrick. After his rap debut last week, he's going to be facing Jamie Noble. He's kind of been uh, Noble hasn't been doing a whole lot lately. He's just kind of he's a good sadly he's, pushed have, down the card. Yeah, they have him court more in like the uh, the good hand role here, where he's just going to go in there and work with whoever. But uh, Kendrick talks, he grabs a mic and talks about Cena uh, kicking butt because now the crowd saying Cena sucks, and so I guess the crowd going with the Cena sucks chant. So. Is this our first uh, notable Cena sucks chant of many that will come the rest of his career? Well, they, they had him doing it last week during the rap battle, but it looks like they're—I think they're trying to get like the angle sucks chant associated mm. with Cena too. But um, yeah, I didn't realize it started this early. I thought it started when he got drafted to Raw. All right, so we, we start this match off wild pace, as you'd probably expect from these two, especially with Kendrick. He just goes. Um, for better or for worse, like balls to the wall. Uh, Nitty has landed some cheap shots on the outside on, on Kendrick. We see that Cena's watching backstage. Sick uh, back suplex by Noble. Just crushes him on that one. Uh, he slows it down with like a cravat hold. Uh, Spanky fires up, but Noble grounds him again. So they kind of play in that. Uh, that's kind of the story of this is Spanky's trying to like do all his crazy moves, and Noble just keeps grinding him into the ground. Uh, Kendrick hits an enziguri for a near fall. Uh, he, uh, but, uh, Noble avoids the moonsault, but, uh, Kendrick comes back quickly with sliced bread at number two and wins this one. So nice little win for Kendrick. It was a fun sprint. I didn't name all the moves they did, but they went balls to the wall. Um, Kendrick's a lot of fun and I always like Noble. He was a good base here, kind of slowing it down at points to kind of even make Kendrick's offense look even better. Um, I think we need to get, we need to ramp this up and i feel like the way they're presenting Kendrick, he needs to be maybe like, let's get the cruiserweight title back going and he can be Matt's next opponent. And we'll, so we can, you know, have something there. And I think that could be a fun 
dynamic, but he's kind of lined up with Cena right now. So I don't know if we're going to see that, but anyway, two and three quarter on the match, but I, I'd like to see old Spanks go for the, uh, for the cruiserweight title. Yeah, I'm in the same position. See, I went two and three quarters with this. Uh, it was like you said, it was a fun sprint. I, you really see how good Jamie Noble is here, um, which, which you know it's well known for most uh, uh, "quote unquote" smarter fans. But j- just seeing it here, like he hits like a I called it an Orton s power slam. It's just like that quick little like slam mm-hmm. power slam type thing. Um, and then Spanky hits sliced bread number two. But it was, yeah, I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I think Jamie Noble's time in the sun might be coming to an end, sadly, but it it was, it was a fun run. Um, hopefully he sticks around for a little bit longer, but I, I, me and him, I remember on past episodes, me and you just loving him. So, um, yeah, he's great, but yeah, it does seem like maybe they're winding him down where he's going to be doing matches like this. I'm sure. He's probably doing some velocity duty, some Jack duty at this point. So, but Hey, he, he did enough to where, I mean, you know, they obviously thought something of him because, Got jobs backstage later yeah. on, so good for him. Get that done. Yeah, I think he's no still more. working backstage. There you go. All right, we get the we get the scoop from Taz that uh, Ray should be back next week to return after Big, Big Show tried to murder him, and then we go to uh, Brock backstage. He tells us that the match at Judgment Day <sighs> with, with Show is going to be a, a stretcher match because he said. You know, show if you want to try and put people on stretchers, we'll have a stretcher match. And I guarantee that if we – it was so weird. He did this whole thing where it's like, and because it's a stretcher match, that means that you, show, are going to be on a stretcher. I guarantee that show is going to go out on a stretcher. And like, okay, Brock, got it, man. Like, so it's odd. It's it's like a generic babyface promo. It's like they, like they turn in babyface and they don't know how to – like to – having be a baby face they just having like oh golly gee willikers like you know drinking milk and like they they, <laughs> they already did this to kevin nash when he won his diesel mm-hmm. you know in, in 94 95 and they saw what they did i don't know why the hell they're doing this again but like he's supposed to be a killer we saw him kill people last year when he was with Heyman and a heel hell he de- re- defeated rock at SummerSlam and held the title up until survivor series you know but now it's just like, oh, like Brock Lesnar is supposed to care about Rey Mysterio? Come on. No, he doesn't. Yeah, it's... And it's just frustrating. It's been weird. And I, it's something I was interested in doing the podcast because I kind of remember his debut this the first year up into 19 really well. And then I definitely remember, obviously, the tail end with the Eddie stuff and then the infamous Goldberg match. But this whole era for him is a little gray for me. Like this Oh three, the rest of Oh three after 19. And it's not been a great start. And I don't think they're putting him in the best position to be fair, but yeah, this is kind of a gray area for me on this initial run for him. And it's been a little, it's been a little wonky for sure. And especially what happens later when he, it makes him look like, uh, like I love sting, but they, what they do later is pulled out of the sting baby face playbook and making you look like a dumbass. Yeah, it's been it's been rough. Post nineteen for him, character wise, I think has not been doing him any favors. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we we go to Vince, who is uh, he's like I guess a catering <laughs> or something, but he's like getting coffee, and for whatever reason, he's like staring at the coffee cup, like baffled, like he's confounded by this coffee. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if he thinks the coffee's like spiked or something, but I don't know. Just the image of him staring at the coffee cup was ridiculous, but. 
He's standing next to Funaki, who then gives Vince a scoop that he saw Mr. America. Um, then, for whatever reason, he forces Funaki to make him a cup of coffee. And then uh, he seems, like, skeptical about this whole Mr. America thing. And then he ends up by saying, uh, this Canadian coffee isn't bad. Like, you would think that this coffee was going to have some significance <laughs> to the plot or something, but it's not. It's, it's just so weird. Like, why is he so weird about the coffee? <laughs> I would love to, like, you find out that, like, Funaki, like, put something in it just to mess with Vince. It seemed like they were going that way or something, right? Like, they they focused on it way too much for it to just be nothing. Yeah, it it was so weird. Like, it's like, we need a... God damn it, I I need a backstage segment with Funaki! Set it up! (laughs) We'll be getting coffee. Like, this Canadian (laughs) coffee, like, it's absurd. All right, so yeah. we go and guess who? Uh, Speaking guess who of appears? absurd, there you go, Mister America. He's here. How could it be though? Because if he's Hogan and Hogan's in Tampa, um, the the, the Mister America Titantron video is ridiculous. But the one that really kills me is like when they show FDR, like the FDR speech in Mister America yes! Titantron. For some reason, it's just it's so absurd. Um, he comes out talking about the twenty four inch Patriots. Uh, Vince and Steph are watching backstage. Vince is starting to see. He poses for like a good 10 minutes here, like as he does anytime he shows up. Um, uh, I love that Vince, like the first time he says brother, Vince is just livid. He's like, I've had enough. Like, cause he knows it. So he's like, let me tell you something, brother. And Vince is like, all right. He's like, it's him. <laughs> it's him. He's so mad. Um, then. Mr. Becker says this thing about he remembers growing up. He was a 160-pound accountant in Hoboken, New Jersey, uh, when he first saw Hulk Hogan. He remembers him in the Sky Dome, <laughs> brother, which gets the Canadian pop. And that's when he decided to quit his job and start training. So this whole, you know, this all this lore about Mr. America was inspired by Hulk Hogan. Vince has had enough. He heads down. Um, he starts screaming at him to take off the mask. He brings Steph out, takes off his jacket. Um, he, the way he distracts him is so ridiculous. He goes, wait, look at the, wait a minute, Steph. And then he just low blows <laughs> Mr. America. He tries to get the mask off. He can't. Stephanie walks closer doing like, you know, love stuff, but you know, some very still to like Steph motion. She's like putting her hands up like, no dad, stop or something. She gets too close. Mr. America, um, clocks events. Uh, he goes into Steph. Steph gets knocked unconscious. Uh, Mr. America uh, carries Steph to the back. She gets medical attention, and then she blames Vince. And, of course, Vince goes into a tirade about Hogan. And, um, yeah, so, again, here's the thing. I enjoyed this more because it had more absurdity to it. It's just, again, I would like them to just focus on the greatest hits of this because, again, this went on for a very long time. And, like, some of this was funny. Like, Vince freaking out when he says, brother, the, the accountant from Hoboken, New Jersey, you know, that stuff is funny because it's ridiculous, but I feel like this needs to be condensed. Like, I think I would enjoy it more if it was not so dragged out into this. And, like, I don't know where they're going with this, but there's some fun moments. But at this point, it's been, like, 60% of the show. Yeah, if they just would have had this segment, Jake, with, like, maybe you start off with just Hogan saying, like, 
doing like a thing like it's just Stefan Hogan talking and it's like I'm I'm in Tampa like or whatnot. But if you just would have saw like this part, I think it would have been a lot more enjoyable because like you said, he's like, No, Steph, mm-hmm. no, and throws this jacket. It's just so absurd. Like I audibly laughed when he did that. And um and when Mr. America uh, Mr. America threw off, like throws Vince off, uh Taz goes, Mr. America is American and up instead of like hawking up. It's like he's American and up. <laughs> <laughs> and um I don't know if this was intentional. I like to think that it was, but Mr. America carried stuff out of the ring like how Hogan did, carried mm-hmm. Elizabeth out of the ring at that Saturday night's main event. Right. Yeah, I got the same one too. Yeah. Uh, and backstage, uh, I love when he like sees Steph, and uh, Steph's like, I'm okay, Dad. He's like, put some more ice on her, damn it. And like <laughs> talking to like, and like, um, and then like he like walks out and he's like he's like tell Steph she'll be fine, but he keeps the ice on. But he's like Steph, you'll be fine, but keep the ice on your head. And then when he's walking out, he says, "You're a big man, damn it!" And it just like made me laugh. Like you're not because like he, I'm sure you've heard like people that sneeze in front of him. So like right. he's like, oh, you're not supposed to sell a concussion. Like oh, you're you're a McMahon, damn it. Oh. I think my favorite was the brother. It killed me. Like the first time he says brother, they cut to Vince and he's just lit. It's like that's when the he's like trying to be patient through all this. And then he just comes on the first time he says brother. He's like, God damn it. He's just putting it in my face. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Again, like I don't have anything against this. This is like a perfect like Vince bullshit storyline that's like secondary on the show. It, here's the thing. I think, I think it just highlights to me that they don't know what else to put on the show right now. So they have to fill so much. I feel like it's Vince being like, man, I've Kurt angle. Like, I don't know what to do with Brock. So he's just going to like, he does at times. He's just like, well, we'll just make it a McMahon thing. And I'll fill up half the show myself because I can do that. But it's, it's tough when it's this much of the show. It would be the perfect bullshit side story for SmackDown, but instead it's just getting, they're forced to like drag it out because they don't have anything else to put on SmackDown right now. Yep. And it's, it's heartbreaking. Uh, Hoboken 160 pound accountant. <laughs> anyway. All right. Uh, all right. Next match. Uh, it's going to be Tori versus Ugh. Dawn here. Uh, Sable comes out though, before either of them, she's in a very revealing outfit and she's just here to watch the scout. Uh, this match, uh, you got some thrashing offense for a few minutes, and then Tori won with a sunset flip. I did not even give this a rating. Uh, it'd probably be a zero, just dud, whatever. Really not even a match, to be perfectly honest. Um, I don't know if you had anything before we get to the angle, but anything on the actual yeah. match? <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I have Sable comes out wearing at what I basically said is stripper day clothes. Um <laughs> Uh, Taslin says that Cole has the same clothes, but it's in red, which I don't know why it made me laugh so much. <laughs> and, uh, so, yeah, so Tori was wearing like uh, like Easter pink and Don was wearing like Easter green. And it was like basically a cat fight. And Taz said it reminds me of Easter. He said blondes and brunettes fighting. It was a freaky Easter, Cole. And I don't know why, but he like just killed me with that comment. Like... <laughs> Because Cole was like, what the hell are you talking about? It reminds you of Easter. Uh, that was a highlight. But yeah, I went dud too. Like, it was, it was, not, it was just a nothing match. Right. So, but really what it's all about is Sable grabs the mic after she congratulates Tori. Um, says it must be feel great to break the losing streak. So throwing a little bit of shade there. 
And then Sable challenges her to a bikini contest at the pay-per-view. Tori accepts by uh, unzipping uh, unzipping and revealing her bra to Big Pop. Um, she was she was boobing boobily there, uh, Chef. Uh, so, uh, as Tess said, her boobies looked really nice. Beeps. Uh, <laughs> awkward line by Sable. I, I think she's been pretty good with this, but uh, you're going to have this bikini contest. One of our things is like, to see if your body is as hard as mine, <laughs> which is just an odd. I know what she's talking about. Like, I know, I think, I feel like that's less of a thing now, but I remember like in the nineties and stuff, it'd be like, they always talk about like the hard bodies, but it's just odd phrasing to hear like in 2023, like is your body as hard as mine? Sable talking. Someone should just put like their lips and just, (laughs) she's rough on promos. Like, I think she's been yeah. okay with it, but I think here's the issue. I feel like this is kind of stalling out. Like they kind of had that, like, um, Sable is like this kind of cougar and you don't really know what her motivations is. She's playing these mind games, but that's kind of stalling out now. Like, I don't feel like they know where they wanted to go with that. So now they're just kind of going, Oh, I'll have a bikini contest. Like, I don't know. I feel like whatever interesting possible storyline or angle they were trying to go with this is just not, now they're just falling back on like, all right, let's do a bikini contest. We got two women who aren't really like wrestler wrestler, so we'll do what we always do. I mean, I don't blame them. Tori's looking ridiculous. Right. But there's yeah, the intrigue is kind of there. Now it's just like, oh yeah, okay. They're boobs. But but I don't know. I don't know if anybody's paying is gonna pay that much extra money. They could always just go get the Playboy, but Yeah, how much was a Playboy? Like five or six dollars. There you go. Or thirty dollars for a pay per view. I don't know. I'm probably spending the five or six dollars. All right. We get a Kurt Angle video package, which would maybe allude to him uh, coming back. We get the NFL Films voice, which I thought was a cool touch. Uh, talking about how Kurt has always been ahead of the curb, and I loved how they keep going. It's like no whatever, like you know, no mountain that he couldn't climb, and he says no neck too broken, <laughs> which <laughs> destroyed me. <laughs> Just like a sad line. Like, it's just troubling. No neck too broken. To... Yeah. It's like, oh, Ugh, maybe the neck should I, I, be I too broken. That. Take some time off, Kurt. Yeah. Come on, man. This is not. Spend some time with your kids so Jeff Jarrett doesn't raise them. You know, shit like that. <laughs> but it's just absurd. No mountain he can't climb. No neck too broken. Oh, ridiculous. <laughs> Anyway, his boys are going to be uh, facing off against Rikishi and Tajiri here. So that's a fun tag team, I guess, Rikishi and Tajiri. Kind of like the uh, the SmackDown version of uh, Dreamer. They're better than Dreamer and Spike, though. Uh, anyway, Big Big Keish is rocking Haas around a bit. He's knocking him all over the place, drops his ass on him. I was surprised he, that he actually hit the, uh, the ass drop there. Uh, Tajiri comes in, lights up Shelton with some kicks. So it's all Rikishi and Tajiri early on. Haas finally takes over on Tajiri, but he gets the hot tag to Keish, who clears house again with the Samoan drops. Shelton narrowly avoids the stink face by uh, hitting the low blow on Big Keish. Haas gets super kicked. Um, Tajiri gets the tarantula. So, like, Team Angle on the ropes here. Like, they're getting their asses handed to him for most of this match. Uh, but Shelton sneaks a super kick, and that allows Haas to to get the bridge there. Um, double team move they, they use quite often. And they end up stealing the win like that. So they went much more in this match with a uh, 
rather than, I guess, because they're facing some more established guys, they went more with like the heels are kind of getting worked over and they just, you know, they just happen to use their, uh, you know, they're able to steal in the end and survive. They went with that kind of structure on this. But because they got their ass kicked so much, that allows Eddie and Chavo to come back and then steal the gold medals back to fuck with them again. I went two and a quarter on it. Um, I always like to jerry kicking people. I thought, you know, I didn't mind this. Uh, I didn't think it made Team Angle look weak. It's just a different type of heel match. It's just a, you know, it's just the other sort of heel formula match here where they're just kind of on the ropes. And I think the crowd was into them getting beat down. And then it gave an excuse for Eddie and Chavo to get the medals back. So two and a quarter for me. Yeah, uh, we're we're far apart far apart on this. Uh, you know how you don't like Bully Ray or Bubba Ray on Raw. That's how I feel yeah. about Rikishi on SmackDown. <laughs> um, like he's just past his expiration date so much. I want a star and a half on this, Jake. Um, Rikishi wearing a shirt while wrestling is like if you're fat and you swim with wearing a shirt. Um, that's the vibe I get. So it it doesn't help. Like you know you already have your whole ass out. What why just pull out those man boobs, man. Um. I think Rikishi uh, got too much offense. I was okay with Tajiri killing people with kicks, but, like, no one really cares about Rikishi. We're supposed to be building up the tag team champs here. Um, and, you know, I did like the little I – lo- I always love seeing the tarantula, and I love seeing uh, Tajiri kill him with kicks, but, no, we, we should have got a little bit more offense from Team Angle. You know, uh, you know didn't, sh- I was going to say, I was worried this match would trigger you because I feel like this is structured in a way that a lot of the Dangerous Alliance matches have like uh, got, have dr- driven y'all crazy on the seven months of danger where like the, the more prominent team gets their ass kicked the entire match. And I feel like you guys have experienced that a lot on the seven months of danger pod. So I was wondering when I was watching this, I was like, I bet this match is probably going to piss off Schiff. Yeah, and mission accomplished. It was like I was, you know, I, I watched like Sean said we watched 105 matches for that, and it feels like 87 of them was like you know Tom Zink and Firebreaker Chip somehow getting offense on Arn Anderson and Rick Rude or something absurd. So, and like I said, Rikishi, like just bring Jimmy and Jay up, okay, and Solo, and tell your cousin Roman to show up instead of your worthless ass. Like, can we fire him? <laughs> quickly um like just just go just go away be gone um i did like los guerrero's theme music hitting as soon as the match was over and them stealing the picture and the gold medals and while they were waiting for him in the ring and i loved uh shelton's face when he turned around and saw that the picture and the gold medals were gone uh it, it, it was awesome I, i'm a, i'm a really big shelton benjamin fan i felt he should have went further but that's uh, um that's a whole other story right all right, but the the medals have been swapped again, so we continue that whole deal. And uh, all right, we quickly go to our next match. It's going to be Cena versus uh, Rhino here. We have uh, Spanky on commentary as he and Cena have an ongoing issue. Uh, Cena says he's uh, he does this whole Rhino rap. He says he'll rip off his crotch and make him see a gynecologist. Uh, the only horn that he has is in his shorts, and then he gives a pretty basic diss of uh, of Brian Kendrick. And then we head to the match. Uh, um, anything on the Cena also, rap here? Shift. Yeah, yeah. The he had a dope Brewers hat, which I'm not a Milwaukee Brewers fan, but I think they have the best old school logo. Uh, look it up, guys. It's amazing. He had a Brewers uh, throwback jersey on with no one on the back, so Cena went a little cheap right there. Um, he also had a line where he said he's going to beat Rhino's ass so sore you think he did a prison tour. Yes, I know someone too. 
Um, he takes a pretty yes. good bump uh, beating early on. Cena does bump it around. He takes over the suplex, gets a bow and arrow submission on Rhino. A lot of back and forth power stuff, shoulder block by Rhino. Um, so my autocorrect in my notes actually put it as Thino. And I was like, I can't believe I've never called him that before because he has massive thighs. Thino. <laughs> anyway, Cena gets rocked with the spine bust where it goes for the chain while Rhino recovers. But Kendrick cuts that off and doesn't allow him to get the chain, and that allows Rhino to win with a roll-up. So Spanky kind of derails Cena's plan to use the chain and win. Uh, Post-match, Cena avoids the gore, and Rhino hits the steps. And so he kind of is left reeling off of that, but he at least doesn't get crushed by the gore. Start a half, the match was fine for what it was. Just a few minutes of them like doing power stuff back and forth. Really, the main point is just to push along the feud between uh, Kendrick and Cena, which it did fine enough yeah i think i i I agree with all that i I liked how cena worked rhino's back i guess to get him for the up up for the fu we don't ever see it but like that's something that um cena constantly worked on um rhino very beautiful spine buster on cena like i like that a lot um and then um you know Rhino, I think, is someone they missed out on. Like, he was hot during the invasion, and then he got hurt, and then he came back, and, you know, he had that team with Benoit, but after that, it's been a little meandering. And, you know, him going knee first in the stairs, they actually say later in the night that his knee, that they're looking at his knee. So I wonder if this is a way they're writing him out. We'll have to uh, pay attention and see if that's the case. Yeah, after the Benoit team, he's kind of been... There's a lot of guys on SmackDown. They just feel like they're meandering, like him and Noble... Yeah, they, they don't really have much of a spot. Like, they have name value, but they don't do a whole... They don't put them into any real angles or anything. So, yeah, we'll see what the future holds for Thino. <laughs> All right. All right. We again go to the FBI who are scheming. Uh, they Nunzio runs into Brock and says that Brock needs to show some respect. Brock doesn't give a shit and just walks past him. <laughs> um uh, they, he specifically says they need to respect their pal Big Show. So Nunzio cheap shots him. He goes after Nunzio. They lure him into a room and they uh, put a bar over the door and then push a forklift into it to try and block it. So the whole the main event of this show was supposed to be, I believe, Benoit and I think it was Benoit and uh, Brock versus Big Show and Albert. I want to say. And so obviously, yeah, no, that you're right. Happen. You're, you're mm-hmm. right. So that's what they've been pushing. So similar to Raw, we were told we're going to have a match and it's not going to happen because Brock is locked in the broom closet. So, um, But anyway, Albert says that he can take care of this, but show wants Benoit um, by himself and he brings the stretcher with him because he wants to put him on the stretcher. I guess this is like the deal going to the stretcher match. I do like that he has the names of uh, like his presumed victims. I guess he's not expecting to have a match next week because he just put he put Benoit and then Brock. So I guess he doesn't think he's going to have a match next week to put someone on the stretcher. But um, So this ends up being our main event, Scott. It's going to be Big Show versus Benoit. Uh, almost a squash, honestly. It kind of surprised me because, you know, Benoit is a upper, you know, definitely upper card, could go into the main event if they decide they want to, but Big Show pretty much crushes. I mean, he tries to hit Big Show in the legs a few times, but Big Show kind of no-sells it, hits the side slam. Uh, Cole gives us a historical note here that this is going to be the first stretcher match since Andre the Giant and Killer Khan, um, which I think he got the date wrong. I'm no, like, I'm not the best of these, but I'm pretty sure that was, I think he said it's been 15 years or something. I think that's 
been longer because I think that was like in the early 80s. But uh, yeah, that would have been 1988. So he was definitely wrong. Yeah, because I think Andre yeah. was a heel then. So right, I think he said like 50 and 20, but I think by yeah, it would have been more like 25. But anyway, we'll forgive you, Cole. Um, Big Show does like a 15 second delayed vertical, which is wild. Like, uh, but uh, yeah, pretty much, uh, you know, Benoit gets a little bit of a comeback via some biting, but then Albert distracts with a stretcher to stop him from getting the cross face. And then Big Show um, choke slams Benoit to end it. So I still went two because I think Benoit kept it scrappy enough, but uh, it was. That was an odd choice that Benoit. I guess you want an established guy, but I guess and I guess he's not doing shit right now anyway, so why not for what they're going for? But, you know, he kept it interesting enough to make it a little bit better than the squash, but the purpose of it was essentially a squash. It's so Big Show can put his name on the stretcher or whatever. So two stars for me, and we'll, we'll talk about the, the fallout to end the show after, Scott. Yeah, you, you've seen Spy Kids, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Wasn't expecting that, but Do you yes, know, I've seen it. <laughs> you, you know when they put the food in the microwave and they press the button and it turns into like a McDonald's meal? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what they're trying to do to Big Show right now. Right. They put his big ass in the microwave, hit the button, and expect him to be a main event challenger. So that's why they had him squash, in my mind, Benoit. Um you know, it, it did his job because he looked like a killer, like especially with the delayed vertical suplex, which was nice. And then when he did the choke slam to Benoit at the very end of the match, like he held him up there and it was like, damn, this is very impressive. Like he even took his like um, arm off his back to show that he was just holding him up there with one hand. And it felt like it was like 20 seconds. It might have been even less than that, but it was very visually impressive. Um also uh before the end Benoit actually hit a headbutt on Big Show while Big Show was mm-hmm. standing up, which I'd never seen before, which I hate Benoit with every fiber in my body. Spot. Um but yeah, just two stars and then we'll get we'll get to the end ending um angle right now. Yeah, I think so all right, so they team up and they put Benoit on the stretcher, Albert and Big Show do um, he looks like he's going to try and do the Mysterio to him and slam him into the post, but Brock somehow, I guess, was able to get out of that room with the forklift or someone helped him or whatever. Um, I did like the spear by Brock on show. He leveled his ass with the spear. He F5s Albert, but Big Show has enough time to recover and gets the last shot as he choke slams Brock as our uh, closing moment. And he screams, like, I guess, just like a giant scream or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That was actually an audio clip that I took from the episode that you just heard. Um, I think, you know, this is whatever. I think this would, I don't think this would be like a great feud. I mean, but I think it would be a little bit better if we hadn't have already done all the Brock and Big Show stuff back in the fall. Like, it just seems like a bit of a regression for Brock. And it's not like that was the hottest feud you ever seen. And Big Show is kind of just like a lackey in that. So this doesn't really feel like, I know they're trying to play it off like, you know, they have history and like Brock sticking up for truth and justice and, and small people, I guess. But yeah, I, I think it would maybe come off a bit better if they hadn't um if they hadn't already done this. And then a stretcher match is like something that could be fun, but it's like it's weird. Like like they just said they haven't done this in twenty years, so like you're wondering how that's gonna turn out. It could be a disaster or it could I guess maybe be pretty fun. Who knows? But yeah, it, this definitely has not been a hot feud to get Brock off of mania. 
Yeah, it's like they were de- like you brought it up with Angle being out and Undertaker being out, but those will still be retreads as well. It's like the star power that you should have been building last year, it's rearing its ugly head is not showing up. Um and you know I will say seeing Brock, like you said, speared Big Show was very nice. Like I enjoyed the hell out of that. But you know, I and but like he needs to go away for a little bit. He's better when he goes away for six months and then like is around for two months. That's what they used to do with Andre. I don't know why they never did that with him. Like they sort of did it later on in his run, but it. Yeah, and they're trying to push A-Train, which I'm sure Matt Bloom is a hell of an NXT uh, trainer, but I just don't buy him as, like, a champ, as, like, a, a, a ta- upper roster talent. So, Yeah, they're definitely struggling to figure out who to, for Brock to face. The Cena thing I thought was a fun, but then I kind of get it because if you keep doing that, it comes off like he's just facing people who are lower than him, sort of. So, like, I get the Cena thing was a fun. I think it elevated Cena, but, yeah, they're in a tough spot, and it's the brand split, so that even cuts your, you know, what you can do in half right there. So I just think they're struggling. I mean, kind of self-inflicted, but you could tell they're struggling to figure out what to what challenges or what feuds to give them. So they're just kind of, you know, they're just kind of doing, you know, heel face 101 thing, big nasty giants picking on little guys and Brock's the hero. So that's what they're rolling with, for better or for worse. That's how we end the show. Uh, all right. So yep. overall, I, I thought the in-ring was pretty entertaining on this show, which is um, was entertaining enough, but it feels like nothing is really happening on this show besides the Mr. America stuff. I know we got a little bit of, or put it this way, like all the other bill was pretty paint by number stuff. Like we had, you know, the Cena and Spanky stuff got pushed along, was real basic, like costed them the match and all that. And then pretty much the only other angle development we had was all Mr. America. So I ended up going four out of 10 because I thought the in-ring was good, but it was nothing. Uh, to me, it wasn't enough to buoy, you know, how little they had going on in between it. Like most of it just kind of felt like, oh, that was a match to have a match sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I went I went four as well. It was just a little bit better than... Um... Then raw, in my opinion, um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a it was a rough watch. Yeah, it felt pretty perfunctory. Like everything they built felt pretty by the numbers, like nothing groundbreaking. You know, they just kind of went and to the two main events to the that did not happen. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, and yeah, you didn't have like a standout match, like a banger, fifteen minute match to kind of do it that way. You had a bunch of pretty good matches, but nothing really that great. So. Four out of ten. So kind of sputtering a little bit. I wouldn't say sputtering, but just it's just been kind of as uh, as we know, we'll call it meh. How about that? It's been pretty meh going yep. into Judgment Day. All right, but we still got to figure out something to do with these awards. So uh, best match, I think, based on my ratings, I actually would go with Jamie Noble versus Brian Kendrick. It's probably my highest rated match at two and three quarters. Uh, my, mine was Eddie and Matt, but uh, you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna fight you. We can we can we can just be in agreement with Jamie and Spanky. Yeah. Either way, the, no uh, cla- no hidden gems. I would say on this week of TV. Uh, best moment, uh, I guess like Goldberg. It'd probably be the Goldberg Austin beer bash. I think it's probably the most memorable on these two shows. Um, staring at the coffee. I- 
<laughs> yeah, Vince staring at the coffee. Uh, I would say Jr. coming back. Yeah, that's good. Cool. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Uh, best show. I I think we'll be spoiled on this one, but I'm gonna give it to Raw by a hair. Um, SmackDown. SmackDown for yeah. me. Yeah, best. Neither one of these is really. I mean, best compared to each other. So not high bar. Um, LVP. This is. I'm trying to think who. I'm trying to think who like outright sucked on this. I was kind of struggling LVP because like it's it's like a lot of this. It's just man, like nobody's really like awful. They're just like I could always give it to Tommy Dreamer. It's like a t-shirt tucked into his jeans. Let's go, Tommy Dreamer. I'm gonna go with Rikishi. I'm going with Rikishi for being oh. the fat guy that wears the shirt while he's swimming. There you go. That's a good one. Um, all right, and then uh, MVP. You got to go Austin because he kind of carried Raw. Yeah, very easy. Like he even set up matches for next week. So. Yep. Yep. Uh, any standouts for you, Scott? Besides our MVP, anybody? Some standout performers. Just Vince one-liners, uh, shitting on Canada. Yeah, he was good. Um, I thought, um, and like for what it was, like Hogan does okay with the Mister America stuff. Like it's to me, it's like I don't even think they're putting in bad performances. I just think it's too much. Like him with the Hoboken, New Jersey thing, like that's kind of funny. <laughs> I thought uh, I thought Jericho was good in the highlight reel. Everything, everybody in the opening, like Eric and, and Jr. And, and Lawler, he was good. I thought he was pretty good in that match. He's pretty fired up. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lance Storm got a big pop. Old Lance. Yeah, nobody else really. I mean, Goldberg was all right. Everybody, so many people were just all right. Like I can't say they were standouts. They were like, oh, they were, they were good. They right. Anybody else you would like to add, or should we just close the book? Just close the book on this week. It was right. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, that's been another week. We have one week left until Judgment Day. Uh, tell me what you got going on podcast-wise besides watching these mediocre uh, 2003 WWE television programs, Scott. I'm watching some mediocre 1992 WCW. Uh, we're finishing <laughs> up the Seven Months of Danger pod. Um we're on the home stretch for war games. Uh, I've enjoyed um, some of our matches, but you know, our last batch of episodes, I watched a 45 minute Nikita Koloff and Larry Zabisco match, which <laughs> nearly broke me. Um, I know it broke Matt Souza. Uh, you can catch myself, Jacob Williams, um, Logan Crossland and Matt Souza and uh, Sean Kidd for the newest YouTube roulette. Uh, that should be dropping hopefully soon. Um, I also host a podcast on the Place to Be Nation Pop Network um, called, let me make sure, uh, Play While You Listen. It's my video game pod, which I always mess up, but uh, it's a monthly video game pod. I interview the guests and I go over the next month's uh, video games. And for the month of June, it's a hot month with Street Fighter, the Diablo game, and uh, Final Fantasy all coming out this month in June, which uh, I remember when I was out of school, these big video games did not drop. But Or if they did, I didn't have the money to afford it. So it was, I was playing like Madden 97 over and over again. And you can find me at uh, Twitter on Scott underscore Shuffle. Yeah. I did the same, Scott. It's kids. Don't know how good they got it. Um, all right. So, well, uh, 
Thank you for coming on, Scott. Uh, check out everything here on the North-South Connection. Uh, tons of great content uh, on wrestling and other things, pop culture, documentaries. Uh, not that we do documentaries, but there's a podcast about documentaries, I should say. Documentary podcast. I just narrate a documentary. Uh, anyway, no. Um, we're going to be back in a couple weeks. I'm going to send Scott a bribe so he doesn't quit. And uh, we'll cover the next week of TV. And then already we'll be at Judgment Day 2003. Um, so thanks for joining me, Scott. I feel like I have to really put a lot into the thanks now on this podcast. Used to be like, oh, no, look, you get to see the SmackDown 6 if you come on. Like, it'll be a lot of fun now. I'm like, look, do it. <laughs> You're my friend. <laughs> if you're my friend, you'll do it. Okay, come on the podcast, please. I'm pulling out my friendship card. You better watch this. I'll, I'll tear it up right now. Anyway, so I'm going to shower, shift letting gifts, and he'll be back, and we'll cover another weekend. We have a pay per view. So we will see you then. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. again. I think I'll have. Another round, set him up, my friend. Then I'll be gone, and you can let some other fool sit down. Cause a row of fools on a row of stools is not what's on my mind. But then you see her leaving me is not what I prefer. So it's either here just drinking beer or home remembering her. Pop a top again. I think I'll have another round, set him up, my friend. Then I'll be gone, and you can let some other fool sit down. Pop a top again.